worship uh, at Bolhelvi and a special welcome to the, the family and the friends of uh, Scott and Chloe, whose baby daughter Cassie is being baptised uh, today. It's really nice to have you along and you're all very, very welcome. Are you hearing me okay at the back? No. The mic's on, Mark, I'm not sure what's happening there. No? How are the levels? Okay, one, two. Oh, that's better. Thank you. That's super. Um, yeah, a, f- a few um, announcements this morning um, and a couple of sad ones, unfortunately, to begin with. I know many of you know that uh, Nellie Leith uh, passed on and Nellie's funeral is uh, tomorrow here in the church at half past 12. But in this past week, we've also lost Winky Reed. Uh, Winky's funeral is going to be this Friday at 1.30 again here in the church. It's a sad week for us in church life. These two real matriarchal uh, figures within our parish have passed on, but we we gather to celebrate their lives and all that they were and all that they brought to their families and their friends, their neighbourhood and this community uh, over the long years of their life. So that's Nellie's tomorrow at 12.30 and Winky on Friday at 1.30. Uh, Today is our Christian Aid lunch after the service and we'd really encourage as many as you as as can uh, to stay and to support that fundraising venture. Um, If you're not able to stay but you still like to make a a contribution to Christian Aid, there is a wee purple box just behind me here, you'll pass it on the way out and if you want to leave a donation there today that would be fantastic to help us with our fundraising. Um, We're also going to have our annual quiz night, Christian Aid quiz night, Friday the 13th at half past seven in the Forsyth Hall and it would be great to see again as many teams involved in that as we can manage on the Friday night. Um, I mentioned last week that the, uh, the church has got a bottle stall at the gala in Balmedi and we're encur- encouraging you to donate your, your bottles so please do remember to bring them along over the next few weeks. If you do have any today you could just leave them in the vestry uh, as you leave and we'll make sure that they're all labelled up and on the stall Uh, at at the end of May. I think it's the 29th, Sunday 29th. Just a few other announcements. Um, The Guild are meeting on Tuesday the 17th at half past seven uh, in the Forsyth Hall and Mary Kane is speaking. Uh, Mary's talk is called Shining a Light on Grandma, the nuts and bolts of the contemporary grandmother experience and Mary's been doing a wee bit of research on this and some creative writing around it and I know that's going to be an interesting talk. And the Eco Group are meeting on alternate Thursdays at 10 o'clock, starting the 19th of May to maintain the new flower border beside the Annex. And if you can come along, even if it's just for an hour, uh, it would be great to have your help there. You need to bring your own gloves and tools, but that's 19th of May, 10 o'clock, and then on successive uh, Thursdays. And lastly, just to say, Sunday School is meeting today, so uh, after the baptism, uh, during the hymn, if the kids and their parents want to make their way across to the hall, there will be activities for them um, over there for the remainder of the service. Those are all our announcements, so let's begin our worship this morning in the words of our opening hymn, which is number 252, As a Fire is Meant for Burning. Let's worship God together.
please be seated. We're going to pray together now, and we will finish this prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer together, and that will appear on the screen. So let's pray. Father, it's good for us to be here today, taking time to gather as your people in this place, taking time to draw aside, to draw ourselves together, and to draw closer to you, our good and gracious God. Thank you that in these moments we can find our place again and slow down long enough to savour the signs of your presence that so often pass us by. The beauty of the world that surrounds us, landscapes familiar or new that remind us of how small we really are, the company of someone we love who loves us and accepts us as we are despite our feelings. The small things that touch our hearts from day to day. The unexpected letter or phone call or email which shows that someone's been thinking of us. A cup of coffee or tea brought to the workstation. The neighborly knock at the door. The unsolicited words of thanks or praise or encouragement that raise our spirits and make us want to keep going. And through all of these human acts of kindness runs the deeper current of your grace. The God who made and sustains this beautiful world, who nursed it into life and redeemed it from death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We live not to ourselves, but to find our place in your great scheme of give and take, dependence and interdependence. To find our place in your plans to bless this world and all its people with good things. Lord, you have extended to us an open hand. Yet we confess that too often we've been grudging and tight-fisted. Slow to give of ourselves or to give others the benefit of the doubt. Forgive us when we're quick to judge, quick to anger and slow to understand when our dealings with people both in the church and outside it have been less than generous. Forgive us and heal us that we might be better ambassadors for you in this world and reflect more of the grace of Jesus Christ, our friend and our saviour, who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Scott and Chloe, uh, we're delighted to be welcoming you here today for Cassie's baptism. And it's taken us a wee while to get here, thanks to Mr. Covid, but I've, uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you a wee bit over the last six months as we've met to, to talk a wee bit about faith and baptism and what it all means. And you've brought some really good questions into the time that we've had together today. And we're delighted that you are here with Cassie. And yeah, you're going to be there in just a wee minute. You wait and see. 
Now, one of the things that I discovered about Scott is that he is a big Marvel fan. He loves all of the movies. Although when you've got a new baby, it can be really hard to get out to the cinema as much as you might like. It's a strange new world that you find yourself in when you become parents. There's all the crying and the poo to deal with. And after a few months of insomnia, you probably feel like screaming because all you really want is a big sleep as you rock her, that's a bad one, as you rock her in your arms and try to get her back to sleep again. And once she graduates from milk, as you well know, that's when the Hunger Games really begin. Mealtimes can descend into civil war. Sometimes you find yourself wondering who's boss. But the reason you keep going is because it's love, actually. All the pride that you feel as a parent, all the joy that your wee one brings into your life, so much so that you don't like being far from home now, unless you really have to. Looking after one another and your wee one has definitely become your end game. <coughs> and one of the messages that comes through really clearly in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that we can't do it alone. And the folk who try to rarely, if ever, succeed. And that's as true in parenting as it is in anything in life. We need one another. In Africa, they say that it takes a village to raise a child. And as well as the wider circle of your family and friends and neighbours, I hope that this congregation can be a part of your village and that the network of people here will help Cassie to, to know who she is and how much she's valued, not just by us, but by God, whose love for us all is eternal. <laughs> Baptism is a sign and a symbol of God's forgiveness and love. But as we grow into the years of understanding, God also calls each one of us to make our own response to our baptism, to live into it. And it's our hope and prayer that as Cassie grows into adulthood, she'll reach a place where she wants to make her own response of faith to all that we are doing today. Right, guys, this is the moment. Up you come. Okay. And I'm going... Am I okay to pick up Cassie at this point? Yeah, Cassie, thank you, my darling. There we go. Cassie, for you, <laughs> Jesus left his father's side. For you, he lived a fully human life. Oh, I want to go to mummy. Oh, do you want to go? You go to mummy. I'll, I'll speak to you and mummy. For you, Jesus left his father's side. For you, he lived a fully human life. For you, he died on Calvary's tree. And for you, he rose again and conquered death, even though at this stage of your life, you don't know one thing about it. So in his name, we welcome you into the worldwide family of the Christian church. Now, I could take her, or you could hold her over the phone. Oh, okay. Why don't we hold her over the phone? Yeah, it's only backwards. Okay. Okay. Cassie. Quill. Alula. Fraser. 
I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What a good girl. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Kat. Do you want to just stand there? Got to improvise sometimes. (laughs) Scott and Chloe, in presenting Cassie for baptism, I'm required to ask you the following questions. Do you want Cassie to learn about Jesus Christ, to know his forgiveness, to share his love and follow in his way? Do you believe in one God, the Father of us all, who came to live among us in Jesus Christ the Son, and who's present with us now in the Holy Spirit. And do you promise to bring Cassie to church as God enables you and with his help so she can hear the good news of the gospel and grow in the love of God and in the service of other people? And you, the congregation of this church and the community of the baptized, I charge you today to remember your own baptism and to live into it, remembering that with the call of God, there come both privileges and responsibilities within his family. So as the community of faith and as the friends and family of this child, do you promise to welcome Cassie, to make your homes and this church a place of welcome and to show your love to her in a kindly and a Christian way? If you can make those promises, will you now please stand as you're able to? We sing together now uh, an ancient hymn that goes back something like 6,000 years, uh, a hymn of blessing, and it's called The Lord Bless You and Keep You. And as we do this, Scott and Chloe and Cassie are going to walk around the church and they'll give you a wee look at the baby. (laughs) The Lord bless you and keep you. this point we have a, a wee uh, present for Cassie and a wee certificate for mum and dad and I think we should give her a round of applause. Thank you very much. Thanks Elaine. Lucy. Thank you. Scott and Chloe, your daughter belonged to God before today but from now on she will always be welcome within the Christian community and there will always be a place for her here within this church. So as she grows up, remind her about her baptism so that when the time comes, she can make her own response to what we've done for her here today. Let's pray together. Gracious God, you've blessed us with the gift of this child. Go with her now into her journey of life. May she know joy, health and peace. May she grow in wisdom, 
faith and love. Protect her from harm and direct her step in ways that lead to life. Bless Chloe and Scott in their parenting. Enrich them through Cassie in immeasurable ways. And bless them with all the resources they need to parent and to parent well. And bless all who, whether here or in your nearer presence, look on this little one with love and wish her nothing but the very best in life. May their support be tangible in all the days to come. So hear these, our prayers, because we ask them all in the name of Jesus Christ, our friend and our saviour. Amen. Our next hymn is number 636, Baptised in Water, and the wee ones will leave for Sunday school as we're singing. reading this morning is uh, taken from the Old Testament. It's from the book of 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 16, and reading verses 1 through to 13. And Eric Leslie's going to read for us. God looks into the heart. God addressed Samuel, 
So how long are you going to mope over Saul? You know I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your flask with anointing oil and get going. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've spotted the very king I want among his sons. I can't do that, said Samuel. Saul will hear about it and kill me. God said, take a heifer with you and announce, I've come to lead you in worship of God with this heifer as a sacrifice. Make sure Jesse gets invited. I'll let you know what to do next. I'll point out the one you are to anoint. Samuel did what God told him. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the town fathers greeted him, but apprehensively. Is there something wrong? Nothing's wrong. I've come to sacrifice this heifer and lead you in the worship of God. Prepare yourselves, be consecrated, and join me in worship. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, here he is, God's anointed. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. Jesse then called up Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. Samuel said, this man isn't God's choice either. Next, Jesse presented Shammah. Samuel said, no, this man isn't either. Jesse presented his sons, his seven sons to Samuel. Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. Then he asked Jesse, is this it? Are there no more sons? Well, yes, there's the runt, but he's out tending the sheep. Samuel ordered Jesse, go get him. We're not moving from this spot until he's here. Jesse sent for him. He was brought in, the very picture of health, bright-eyed, good-looking. God said, up on your feet, anoint him. This is the one. Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him, with his brothers standing around watching. The Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind, God vitally empowering him for the rest of his life. Amen. Thanks, Eric. Let's take a wee minute to pray together now. Let's pray. Father, we know when we read these stories, particularly from the Old Testament, they can seem so far removed from our lives and our experience. And yet we know Sunday after Sunday that there is truth within them and there are things to be learned from these stories and that there are connections to be made across the centuries. So we ask that as we listen and reflect on that story this morning that you'll bring home to our hearts 
what it is that we need to hear for today's world and for our lives. Because we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. It's not every day that a new superhero comes into the world. But that's exactly what happened a few years ago in South London. A tall, gangly man started going around the streets dressed in a homemade superhero outfit, complete with gold lame underpants and cape. And he called himself Angle Grinder Man because his weapon of choice was a circular saw and his mission was to save the citizens of London from the evils of the car clampers. 25-year-old Petite Tendai reported that she got home one evening to find that her car had been unfairly clamped and she just started to moan about the injustice of it all when Angle Grinder Man suddenly appeared. Basically, he jumped out of his car in his outfit, she said, and he, and he said, if anyone can, Angle Grinder Man can. And he just started sewing it off. It was brilliant, she said. I may not be able to single-handedly and totally cast off the repressive shackles of a corrupt government, but I can cut off your wheel clamps for you, he said, back in 2002. Apparently, he's gone into retirement now. Maybe that angle grinder was getting a wee bit too heavy, but not before saving over 20 people from the clutches of the clampers. Now this week, given Scott's love of the Marvel Comics universe, and it's a shame he's not here in a way, but he'll just have to watch it and catch up. Um, given his love of the MCU and that whole world of superheroes, I found myself thinking a wee bit about what makes someone genuinely heroic. Back in the day, in the older superhero movies, if you looked the part, you were 90% of the way there. Christopher Reeve could dressed down as Clark Kent by putting on a boring suit and a pair of specs, but that couldn't hide the fact that you only get his kind of physique by eating eight eggs and half a chicken for breakfast and spending a good chunk of your waking hours in the gym. So on the surface, at least, to be a superhero, you have to look like a superhero. And you only have to glance at Chris Hemsworth or Gal Gadot to know that that kind of thinking is still very much around. But in fairness, there's definitely been a move towards more of a focus on the inner life of superheroes in recent years. Their backstory, their motivations, their hopes, and their weaknesses. That's always been present, I think, within the comic world. But I think it's coming to the fore more in our day. And that is the stuff that interests me more this morning. What's going on inside a person? The Old Testament reading that we heard just now sees Samuel, Israel's prophetic leader, getting ready to anoint a new king. Saul, the current king and Israel's first king, absolutely looked the part. He was a foot taller than almost everybody else. He wowed people with his appearance, but he was a rubbish king. He didn't cut it because he was craven and he was cowardly, and his faith was only really skin deep. So the Spirit has shown Samuel that the new king is going to be one of Jesse's many sons. 
But as these fine lads are all paraded in front of him, he knows that none of them is the right one. Is this everybody, he says. Well, there is one more. There's the wee lad he's out tending the sheep, but he's not much cop. Go and send for him, says Samuel, and we'll wait here till he arrives. So David gets there. And although he's younger and smaller than the rest, there's a real presence around him. And Samuel knows that he is the one. And he remembers what God had said to him. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And with that in mind, Samuel anoints David as the next king. And that was the right choice. Because David went on to become Israel's most successful and most heroic king. And an ancestor of Jesus himself, who years later would be born in David's town, the town of Bethlehem. When you ask, what's at the heart of heroism? The answer is, the heart. The heart of heroism is the heart. Not muscle, not looks, not intellect. It's the selflessness and courage and purpose in a person's heart that makes them heroic. If you love your sci-fi, you could think of grey-haired Obi-Wan Kenobi, selflessly raising his lightsaber and allowing Vader to kill him, knowing full well that his death would serve a greater purpose. Or think of Eowyn and Mary in The Lord of the Rings, Two seemingly weak characters, a woman and a hobbit, disguising themselves as warriors so they can fight alongside the rest of the warriors in the battle of the Pelennor Fields. And in the second before the riders of Rohan and their thousands charge into the fray, most likely to their doom, Eowyn puts her arm around the little hobbit and she says, Courage, Mary. Courage for our friends. And it's by far one of the most moving moments in the whole of the trilogy. But of course, what we see in the screen, what we read in our novels, is only really a mirror of what we know to be true in real life. Selflessness, courage, and purpose in someone's heart are what makes them heroic, no matter what they look like and who they are. Think Rosa Parks, a middle-aged black woman who refused to give up her seat on the bus because she decided that she wasn't going to live with racial segregation in her part of the world anymore. Or think of Mandela on his first day in office as president, calling together all his staff and reassuring the white folk that they were both wanted and needed in his new administration as they began to build a new South Africa together. Or more recently, think of Vladimir Zelensky, a comedian who played a president in a Ukrainian comedy series and is now earning the admiration of the world for his statesmanship and for the courage that he's showing in the face of relentless Russian aggression. Every one of them heroes, though they might not look it from the outside. 
And I know that when we talk about these things, it's easy for me to pull out remarkable examples, as I've just done, people who really changed the world by what they did. But I think to a lesser degree, the same thing applies in our daily living. When we show selflessness and courage and purpose in the way we live, we're unselfconsciously being just a little bit heroic. When an exhausted mum or dad gets up in the middle of the night to feed or change their crying baby and keeps doing it night after night after night, or when somebody keeps a long vigil at someone's bedside as they wait for them to pass on, or when someone goes the extra mile to help a neighbour or a colleague or a friend or maybe even a stranger. You don't call them a hero, you call them a trooper or a saint or a star or a gem, but it all amounts to the same thing. They're being heroic. We're having a Christian Aid lunch today. It's a chance to remember the challenges that folk in the developing world have been facing as they've been trying to deal with COVID and climate change and now the price rises and shortages brought on by the war in Ukraine. And Lord knows there's plenty of heroes in that country at the moment. And we're finding it hard in our part of the world just now But how much harder must it be for those in the developing world who are starting with so little to begin with? And yet the incredible resilience these folk are showing allows them to dig in and find a way. I want to introduce you to one such person this morning. This is Janet. Janet Zirugo. Janet's 70. And she lives in Zimbabwe, which is a country that's been badly affected by climate change and conflict over the last 20 years. And many of the children in Janet's extended family are orphans, and she is really their sole provider. And she says this, one year there was just so little food to go around. Rains had not fallen. We ate things which we wouldn't eat in normal times. My heart was so painful thinking that my family would die, but by God's grace, we did not die. We soldiered on. And then through one of Christian Aid's partner programs, Janet was given some drought-resistant seeds that grow well in harsh climates, and her farm's now bursting with life. As you visit her, she'll show you the food that she's grown with pride bowls full of ground nuts and wild fruit and golden corn, as you see in the picture. And she's even been able to build a small storeroom to keep the harvest safe and secure and protect her family in the event of future droughts. My life is changing, she says. This project is lifting us up. We are thankful. It makes me happy to see my family strong and well-fed. A 70-year-old woman working this unforgiving land day after day to look after her extended family. If that isn't heroic, I don't know what is. And maybe that's where to end today with the reminder that heroes don't always look like heroes because what makes them heroic is what's on the inside 
and not what they look like outside. The story that we tell here in church and try to live into is about a hero who didn't look anything like a hero after they flogged him to within an inch of his life and hung him high on a cross to die. And yet, as we've been seeing all morning, what really counts isn't outward appearances, but what's in a person's heart and what burned and continues to burn in the risen Christ's heart is love, love for his Father, love for the world that they created together. A love that he proved beyond all doubt when he selflessly, courageously, and purposefully offered up his own life on the cross to set us free from everything that mars us or lessens us as human beings. And when we try in faith to live and to love Christ's way in the world, stumbling though those efforts might be, we too in our own small way are being troopers, saints, stars and gems. No capes, no lycra, no gold lame underpants, but apprentice heroes all the same. Amen. I'm going to invite uh, Caroline Daniel to come up now and lead us in our prayers for others. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together to worship in peace and comfort on this Christian Aid Sunday, as we think of our brothers and sisters around the world who don't have that luxury. We ask you to be with those who are in situations of conflict, poverty, hunger and destitution, however caused. Father God, we ask you to remind us not to judge as the world judges, but to do as you told Samuel, and to look past the outer appearance of others and see the person within, so that we might be aware of the unsung heroes in our midst, where we might least expect them. And let us remember too Christ's love for the world, shown when he heroically offered up his own life on the cross to set us free. As we've heard, the combined effects of the COVID pandemic, conflict and drought, have robbed so many families of the power to provide for their children in Zimbabwe and many other places around the world. And the war in Ukraine will drive up food prices globally, but having the greatest impact on the poorest in society. Without the fertiliser and food that Ukraine and Russia produce, vulnerable families will be pushed even deeper into hunger. But hope does not disappoint. Hope lives in you. With every gift, every action, every prayer, we celebrate and share hope with our sisters and brothers facing crisis around the world, from Zimbabwe to Ukraine. Father, we remember all those in need of our prayers today, and we think of those who dedicate their lives to the service of others, in the caring professions and in ministry and mission. We pray for the various Christian aid projects abroad and the important work they do 
in caring for those whose society often overlooks. We think of countries around the world where suffering is an everyday part of life for so many people, and we give thanks for those who care for the sick and the dying. We pray particularly for those in Ukraine, as well as all the other areas of conflict around the world, and ask that you would comfort those who have lost loved ones or are waiting to hear news of them. We pray for those in positions of leadership and authority, that they do not misuse their powers, but respect and care for all their peoples and the natural resources of their countries. Help us to learn from one another's cultures and respect one another's differences. Almighty God, you have called us to follow in the way of your risen Son and to care for those who are our companions, not only with words, but with acts of love as we seek to be heroes in our own small way. Gracious God, we remember this morning those who are sick, sad, lonely or bereaved, and we remember especially the family and friends of Nellie Leith and Winky Reed. We pray for Paul, our minister, and for Rona and the family as they support him in his work here in Belhelvy. We give thanks for the baptism of Cassie and for all the good gifts we enjoy. Lord, help us recognise the heroes in our midst and also give us the courage to be heroes. For we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Thanks, Caroline. Our closing hymn this morning is number 251, I the Lord of Sea and Sky.
And now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Please be seated. 